You're listening to Ryan Anderson's Model Railcast Show with your hosts, Craig Bisgeyer and Tim Harrison. We're bringing you the latest news, reviews, and interviews on the hobby of model railroading. The Model Railcast Show, keeping you on the right track. All right, Model Railcasters, we've got show 229, and we were joined by my cousin-in-law, Jonathan Murphy, who came to talk to us about his model railroad. You know him on the Friends of MRCS Facebook page as Venus Model Railroad. As I was about to wrap up the show, though, I noticed that the NMRAX was advertised as starting on June 13th. Going to be another one of those things. And if you don't know what they are, stay tuned because Gordy Robinson was kind enough to come on last minute and tell us all about what he's been doing. So stay tuned. All right. Well, I guess we'll go ahead and get started. All right, model railcasters. We've got show. Oh, Craig. I think it's two twenty nine. Yeah, two twenty nine. Wow, that's cool. Yeah, and uh, we're 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 on a pace here. You know, this is the this is the third one in in. Yeah. Uh, in... We could break two hundred and thirty by the end of the year. Yeah, Who knows? That's, what th- that's what I'm thinking. <laughs> that would be wild. So uh, unexpected. <laughs> I, I'm telling you. So you know, I was talking with um, uh, and I I think it's a good idea, except on what. I mean, I've been feeling real inspired lately to get back into it. But I think what I like to do at the very least, and I was, I was talking to, to Lionel about this, and he re, he he offered it up as an idea of at, at the very least trying to make sure the first Monday of every month we've got a new show out. And mm-hmm. okay. that's a, that sounds like a reasonable goal. But there's probably gonna be times like like now and when I'm just really inspired, and Lord knows we all have a lot of extra time on our hands right now. Yeah, that's uh, true. So even though I'm considered an essential worker. Uh, I'm. I still. It's not like I can go anywhere once I get home. So. Well, that's true, and I, I too have been working full time even since all this nonsense started. Right. Uh, but uh, you know, I mean, obviously, not having to commute each way every day helps, and uh, being that in my particular uh, company, you know, our we've lost a lot of uh, work because we literally couldn't get places and, you know, companies are closed down. Like we have a lot of sporting goods companies that we do work for and nobody's selling any sporting goods right now. Right. So they're shut down, you know? And so we, we are, you know, we're, we're struggling like everybody else, but you know, thank goodness, you know, knock on, knock on wood. I'm still, uh, still gainfully employed along with most of the other people I work with. And, right. uh, we're starting to get back to things. I'm actually heading down to Virginia for a business trip tomorrow morning. That's so, right. Yeah, so I'm going to bring my masks and my gloves and my, you know, my hat that uh, has pool noodles on it to help people take six feet away. And uh, <laughs> and uh, so I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be good to get back into things. And uh, Lindsay was very impressed to find out that you had been making masks. And I was like, oh, yeah, Craig is a Craig knows the, ro- the ropes around a sewing machine. Oh, yeah, I am multi-talented. I'm not <laughs> just a model railroader at all. <laughs> That's right, folks. You heard it here. So, Craig, uh, any update on the Housatonic? Um, yeah, little bits here and there. Um, I've been working on, since the last time we spoke a couple of weeks ago, I've done a little more work on the steam engine project that I've been doing. Uh, I had to wait until I got some, well, let me explain what's going on for people who are not necessarily caught up. Uh, I'm taking a Bachman, uh, 460 10-wheeler engine and converting it over to being a copy, more or less, of the Sierra number no. 3460, which there is no good engine of, uh, cop, uh, or commercial engine out there that looks like it. Uh, there was a Tyco one that came out 30, 40 years ago, but it was much too large, uh, out of scale, and uh, there's never been another one that was like it. It's a really interesting late uh, 1800s engine that 
uh, was a very popular style that came out of the Rogers Locomotive Company, but there's no good uh, model of it. Uh, so what I'm doing is I'm reworking the Bachman model to be more like the Rogers prototype. And part of that includes a 3D printed boiler, a new cab, and a th new uh, frame that is going to change the spacing of the wheels. And that's the part I've been working on over the last couple of weeks. In order to uh, make it stronger and to uh, provide more weight, which is very important on a small steam engine, uh, I'm taking it and I'm actually going to have the frames sent someplace and have it done as a lost wax casting meaning that what they do is uh, normally in the lost wax they take a wax model they surround it with investment plaster and then put it in a furnace and burn all the wax out it's leaving a cavity that they then fill with metal whether that's white metal or bronze or brass or or uh what is it um pewter and uh basically what happens then is that they end up making a a model that's exactly the same as what the wax master that went in. The problem, of course, is that the model, the original model is destroyed in the process. So you have to be able to make more than one of them. Well, that's a process that 3D printing has got it in spades. Right. So what I'm doing is I've been preparing. I finally got the, the frame to the exact size I needed, so all the parts fit. And then I waited until about two weeks ago when I finally got in a resin that actually has the same properties as this, the wax they use for doing this investment casting. So what I've been doing uh, is learning how to use this particular stuff because it, it works differently uh, than the regular resin that I normally use on my uh, Elegoo Mars printer. Uh, but now I finally got it down in terms of the exposure and the time and everything. That, so I've been able to make some uh, successful uh, pulls and I'm preparing them right now, and hopefully before I leave tomorrow, I will be getting a package ready to send to the place that's going to do the investment casting. And maybe when I get back uh, in two weeks, I will have, hopefully on my doorstep, a set of uh, two or three different models in, in, in brass that will... We're doing a couple of different ones in different sizes, about 1%, 2%, because apparently there's some shrinkage when you go and uh, do a, a brass casting of the, an object. So the, it does shrink just a little bit. So we're going to do a couple of them and see which one actually matches best uh, when we're all done. And then once we have that, I think I'm probably going to add a few more details to it and then be going into production. And I'm going to have 10 frames made. Right. So that's not okay. going to be cheap. But at the same time, it's going to be amazing because soon, wow. soon I'm going to have a fleet of these things on my railroad. I'm going to be so happy. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what's been going on. I also did some work. Uh, I created another boxcar kit, I think. Uh, right now, uh, I've been having all kinds of problems with my new big 3D printer. Uh, I had a problem where, uh, if you remember correctly, I was saying that uh, the, the, the motherboard died, so I had to replace it. That's fixed. Uh, then uh, in the process of getting the new motherboard uh, in, and which is a much better one, I'm very pleased with it, but I managed to ruin one of the belts. Uh, there are these like six-foot-long belts. There's two of them on the machine in order to move the head back and forth uh, across the thing. So I ended up having to replace the belt because it got stretched out when I screwed something up. And then on top of that, uh, there was another thing that happened where – Oh, God, well, I can't even remember what it was now, but something else happened that I had to fix. And so now it's finally all fixed, but now I, it's not feeding any filament through the head, through the hot end. And I just found out that when I bought the, the head that I bought for this thing like a year and a half ago, well, it was supposed to have a little bearing in it. I never got a bearing. Oh, <laughs> so dear. I've been using it for like a year and a half without the bearing. And they said, oh, well, you can't do that. Eventually it's going to wear out. And I'm like, yeah, well, thanks. yeah, that's exactly <laughs> what happens. So now I'm trying to figure out how do I get this bearing. You know, so that they can keep going. So, 
But I have, I have two weeks to research it and see if I can get the parts that I need. Because uh, obviously I'm not going to be able to print anything while I'm away. But I am bringing a ton of kits with me. And uh, since, you know, what with the COVID-19, I can't go anywhere, you know, when I'm down there. I can't do anything. Can't go to the movies. Can't go out to dinner. Uh, so I will have lots of time cooling my heels in my hotel room. So I'm planning to do build a train's worth of cars. I'm bringing, I think it's like 10 or 11 kits with me. And my goal is to try to, if not finish them, get most of them finished or started. Okay. And there you go. There's my update. Excellent. So, so some, some good productivity there. I hope so. Yeah. Yeah, excellent. And uh, model rail caches, I'm going to uh, put them on the hotspot here real quick. But we, we do have a guest with us this week, and I'm going to introduce him a little bit earlier, not just in the roundhouse. And we have Jonathan Murphy, but you know him on the model rail cache show as Venus Railroad. Jonathan, how are you doing today? I'm great. How are you guys doing? Can't complain. Yeah, I'm doing good. I've got a uh, uh, couple productive hours under my belt, so I, I I told my wife I wanted to earn some time with my with my buddies today. So uh, so I made sure I got all the yard work done early so I could hop on here. And so it's 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 good to be on. And um, Jonathan, we're going to get into you, uh, what you're modeling in just a little bit. But I do know uh, if I was to a little update on what you're doing. You're ballasting right now, aren't you? <laughs> uh, was uh, okay. Just uh, you know, I finished that up probably about a week ago, um, and now I am. You know, I tend to jump around a little bit um, here and there. Uh, right now, I'm concentrating on a little bit of scenery work, building trees, and and just trying to get that that end of the layout where the coal mine is located more more to a finished look. Gotcha. And so, yeah, that, that's pretty much what I've been doing. Just um, an hour or two um, each night, I, I try to do as much as I can, you know, with, with what I have. Right, right. Excellent, excellent. Well, Craig, as for me... Um, yes, do tell. We've been dying to hear where your progress has been going. <laughs> well, I've got all the... I, I got the... Um, basically, phase one of the bench work is up. Uh, I just have to... Uh, anchor two of the legs into the ground with some concrete screws so that they don't get kicked out. Okay. Um, uh, there are two of the legs I was able to use angle brackets on, but the other two, there wasn't room, but I'll just basically make a metal, cut off a piece of angle iron and screw one piece into the leg and then screw the other piece into the ground. So it's, so you, it'll break your toe before it'll go anywhere. Sweet. <laughs> That's the idea. And uh, for the first time ever in building bench work, I am not in this made, Jonathan, this this shows you my unprofessionality. Um, but I used to make bench work without any plywood. It would just be it would just be the the pine, uh, the one by and homeless oak right on top of that. Hmm, okay. And, yeah, and I have since repented of my of my sins there. And you have seen now, the light. Exactly. I've seen the light. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> exactly. Well, you know, I figured the the area that I'm at isn't quite as climate controlled as my basement used to be. Now, it still is pretty good, but basically I figured, you know what, I, I just want to put bench work up one time, so so I basically I, I decided to go ahead, you know, build the uh, the L-girder bench work and then use uh, half-inch plywood and then homosote on top of that. So Okay, excellent choice. A, a lot more sturdier than I used to be. So I've got that, and I've, I'm starting to flesh out Bolson Street a little bit. I found out I need... Um, one end, I'll be able to use uh, Biscayer Ladder number two, the second one you built. Yes. Okay. And on the other end, I have to use, which is fine because I, uh, on the other end, I have to use a curved ladder, and so I have to build a little bit more of that curved ladder. Mm -hmm. And then Biscayer Ladder number one is going to go further on down the layout, probably near the town of Glassboro. Nice. So, 
yeah, so it's I was really, really thrilled that I was able to pull out those ladders, keep them in a good, safe spot, and bring them out for, for later. It's nothing like the feel of being able to, to take your friend's hard work, you know, and, you and not throw it in the those. trash, yeah. Exactly. Your friends <laughs> appreciate that too, believe me. <laughs> so, and I, I, I kind of did it in a an adult thing today. Well, not that kind of an adult thing, uh, but uh, a, a Dremel. I'm getting a Dremel. You're getting a Dremel? Yep. <laughs> wow. Oh, you're moving out of the 19th century. I'm very. Impressed. I know. I know. So, I well, I will have a razor saw. Uh, okay. I, you know, I still have that, but uh, I'm looking forward to the Dremel for just making some of those cuts that are just uh, that. Frankly, I just don't feel like making with a razor saw That's anymore. Fair. Okay. Um, so, and, and a few other things too. Obviously, it's not just useful for that. No, they're useful um, for very, very many things. My yeah. problem with that tool is that whenever I finally think, oh, you know what, I could use this for this, I've usually already done it. And then I'm like, <laughs> you know, I could have used the Dremel for that, and it probably would have taken like half the time. Oh, well, next time. <laughs> so, yeah, my, I love mine, but it doesn't see a whole lot of use. <laughs> Right, there's a lot of there's a lot of reflection. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. oh, I could have used this for that. Oh, yeah, that would be good. Yeah. Oh, I, you know, I was sanding this. I'm like, you know, oh, yeah, the Dremel would have been great. You know, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> now, Lindsay was wondering, and I, I, I don't know if this would be possible or not. And I'm just so used to using it the files. But she was wondering if it's possible to use the Dremel with, like, say, the point form tool from Fast Tracks or something like that. Um. Yeah. The only problem with that is that. Uh, the Dremel, because it spins so quickly, even at the fairly low speed, it takes off a lot of material very quickly. Uh, okay. What I'd say, if you wanted to do something like that, uh, use the Dremel to bring it down close, but okay. do the final strokes with a file. That way you gotcha. won't risk damaging the tool. Okay. But otherwise, yeah, you can definitely use it for that. I mean, I use okay. a grinder for mine. So, you know, I, I grind down to a specific spot, and then I go after it with a file for the last part of it, you know. So, by all means, you can definitely do that. Okay, good to know, and she will be happy to know that uh, she had a good idea there. So, all right, great. All right, model broadcasters, we will be back. Jonathan Murphy here again. You know him as Venus Railroad, um, and this is the this is the point of the podcast where we kind of sound a little bit like a modeler's life. But uh, Jonathan, I'm curious as to what your entry point was into the hobby. Right about the time I think I was seven years old, uh, my parents got me a um, I believe it was lifelike. Uh, it could have been Tyco, uh, you know your your typical train set. It was chassis system uh, GP something or other. I don't remember what it was, but um, that's pretty much where I got started. Uh, we had the typical 4x8 sheet of plywood on a couple of sawhorses down in the basement. And this was in Michigan, by the way. Uh, you know, we, we, moved, uh, we moved to Texas in 97, so uh, 
the the uh, the hobby for me started up north, and so I you know played around with that, and that uh, progressed into a couple of trips to railroad days in Duran, Michigan, and and that I think is really what uh, set the hook for me. Gotcha. That was I, the gateway drug. <laughs> yes, uh, I got to see a ginormous modular layout there. And I was just completely blown away. I, you know, I had no idea that it, it could be taken that far. And by then, you know, I probably was a little bit older, eight years old. And, you know, I was watching one of the one of the guys, he was a club member switching a yard. And, and I was I was blown away by the fact that he was uncoupling cars from the switcher without even touching them. You know, he was probably using the KD uh, magnetic uncouplers under the mm-hmm. track. Yep. You know, I, I just, I was like, how is he doing this? This is a, <laughs> the coolest thing I've ever seen. And, and you know, <clears throat> going from the, the Tyco system or t- the Tyco train set with the horn hook couplers and, and, you know, not being able to back up very well, I can only go forward. I can only pull the train. I just, I couldn't <laughs> do any switching whatsoever. Uh, even with the one uh, Atlas snap switch that, that, came with it or, you know, whatever brand it may have been. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it was just a, a giant leap above what I had as a kid. So uh, from there, you know, I got a couple of issues of Model Railroader and and just, you know, I would wear those magazines out and, and try to replicate what I was seeing in, in those magazines on my 4x8 sheet of plywood. Um, and, and, you know, I, I would tear apart the track and try to redo it. And it was an oval. There's not much you can do with track that are, that's being used as an oval. So, uh, you know, I, I also had the uh, paper mache tunnel, uh, or it could have been styrofoam. I don't remember. It was the preformed tunnel. And I tried to replicate what I was seeing where the tunnel porthole is and, and the, the, uh, the scenery kind of builds up to the tunnel porthole. So I would, I would, bring dirt in from outside and, and, you know, my mom would just get so mad at me. for doing <laughs> Yeah, I can see that. You know, build it up and, and, you know, it was, it was wet and clumpy when I did it. And then after a few days it would dry out and just kind of fall apart. Like, you know, cause it was sand pretty much. So it turned into a huge mess, but I had fun. Uh, aside from that, uh, I, I got to visit a, a place called Crossroads Village. It was in Flint, Michigan, pretty close to where we lived. And, uh, my dad, at the time, he was uh, he worked for a communications company and, and got the contract for the intercom system to be installed in uh, the train that used to go around that amusement park. And and they had a, a few steam engines, uh, uh, K27. And what was really cool is is because my dad knew the guys and they were clients of his, I actually got to ride in the steam engine and shovel coal into the firebox. Oh, that was the coolest thing ever. <laughs> Yeah, I can imagine. So, uh, you know, and from there it 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 uh kind of it kind of slowed down a little bit. We we moved um some of my trains ended up missing when when we moved, but I the passion was still there. Mm-hmm. So, uh I I used to um draw up layouts planning for the future as a kid. And and that probably lasted until I was about 14 or 15 and then other interests 
started mm-hmm. to take priority. Girls, cars, yeah, we all know. <laughs> yeah, we've <laughs> <laughs> all been there. <laughs> but it was, for the most part, it was it was pretty nonstop up until that point. You know, I remember being 14 years old uh, up in my bedroom. My dad actually had this old drafting table that he used uh, for estimating projects, uh, and and he didn't need it anymore, so I kind of took it over, and I would sit at that drafting table for hours drawing layouts. And and uh, you know that that was pretty much all I could do at that time. So uh, and after that, it, it dropped off drastically until about six months after my oldest was born, I picked it back up again. So uh, been, I've been you know my oldest is six years old now. So about five and a half years, I've I've been heavily back into the hobby and and trying to learn as much as possible with a little bit of time that I have each day. So uh, that's great. Excellent. Excellent. Okay, so what are you modeling? Uh, you know, scale, prototype, year, you know, that, that type of thing? I model mostly the BN. That okay. is, that is, uh, my, I love that, the, the colors. I, and and I, um, yep. the Cascade green and black, I just cannot get enough of it. So um, that's, that's what I'm concentrating on. All right. I remember my first trip, uh, one of the first trips I ever made, big trips away from the home and that was me and my dad went out to uh mount pleasant iowa and all of a sudden i remember going from that conrail blue which i was so sick of at the time of course i love it now and then all of a sudden seeing these big old green locomotives just going down the line that was just absolutely awesome so i i also was a fan of the burlington northern excellent um and john did you touch on uh what scale you're modeling ho okay mm-hmm. And uh, so, you, so you don't. We know you like the colors. Uh, what era, approximately, or are you doing any era at all? Mostly, just after the BN was formed, a little bit, not the rainbow years, um, okay. but just after. Uh, so I would say late seventies, early eighties. Okay, pretty um, reasonable, yeah. And, and you know, mostly concentrating on. It, I I love the the generation one diesels. Um, mm. You know, Alcos, the RS3s, the RS11s. Sure, sure. Um, so it, it, even though those those were around before the BN was formed, um, you know, it, it, that I love those units within in the BN colors, and so I'm I'm collecting as many of them as I can. Yeah, it's slowly just building up my roster uh, based on that, uh, based on those uh, those generations. Uh, I have a few. Uh, Generation two diesels as well, uh, it, but for the most part they're all four axle diesels. I have a couple of six axles. I have an SD40 and an SD40-2, and, and I would love to run more of those. Unfortunately, the the radius that I'm I have on my layout it allows for it, but they just don't look right. Right. Yeah. On that type of 22 inch radius, even though they'll run on a 22 inch radius, it's just not. It's not looking too well, so those are staying in the boxes for now uh, until I can until I have more space and I can go uh, wider radiuses. Mm-hmm. Radii. What's your space look like now? What uh, what's your constraints? <clears throat> right now, it's it's on one side of a two car garage. Okay. Um, and roughly, is it an island or? It is a horseshoe shape. So horseshoe. one side okay. of the one side of the the layout is up against the wall. So you you have the option to walk around the opposite side of the horseshoe or walk into the inside of the horseshoe. Okay. That's cool. Definitely. Definitely. Um, and 
Jonathan, if you happen to come up with a track plan, uh, please feel free to post it to the uh, to the Facebook page so that uh, people can get a look at it, and I'll try and link it up with the show when it comes out. Uh, um, and pictures, we love pictures. Yes, <laughs> and you've been yeah, good with that. I, I but keep as posting many as I can. Yeah. Uh, and, and you know, since I've been working on it um, more recently and more frequently, uh, I, I try to post up uh, presentable progress. <laughs> I should Excellent. say. Um, Jonathan, real quick, um, if you could just give a quick summary, maybe of uh, how the Burlington Northern was formed, uh, just just so our, you know, we're again, I think a lot of a lot of our listeners were in the Northeast here in the in uh, on the east eastern part of the country, so some of them may not be so familiar with how Burlington Northern was formed. But if you have just like a short summary, that would be great. So it, it, it consists of that I'm that I can think of right now, uh, four railroads, uh, the Burlington and Quincy, um, the great Northern, uh, Spokane and Washington, I believe. And, uh, there's one more that I can't think you can think of right now. Um, and, and the merger I believe was in 72. Okay. If I correctly. So, um, and I'm not sure. I don't recall what the reason for the merger was. Um, but, uh, yeah, that's, that's pretty much how it formed. Okay. So it's, it's yeah. I mean, that's basically Conrail was you know formed right around the well a little bit later than that, but right. uh, trying yeah. to scrape together what was yeah. left of the Eastern Railroads. Right, and uh, basically, I think you know it's it's probably safe to say that a lot of it was because they were looking to try to establish economies of scale. They were all going broke separately and figured if they could you know become a larger unit, then you know they could enjoy instead of competing with each other they'd all be one thing so you know they'd actually have a, a better chance of making it right. and of course all of that once the staggers act came around after that happened everything changed right. so that's that it, all this was obviously prior to that uh so they, they were just uh, kind of fighting for their life and they figured if they joined together they could try to save some money you know right. that was a big thing right right very good all right well question three um jonathan um the locale of your layout. Now, are you doing uh, freelance? Is it based on something? You know, could we also there's that term proto-lancing, so that's kind of like what I'm doing. It's like model after a prototype, but I can't always keep faithful to the track plan, or, or I'm probably not going. Like, for instance, I'm modeling, going to be modeling New York shipbuilding, but I am not going to be modeling every building, nor could I. Uh, so basically, yeah, so the locale of your layout, what are you, what are you doing, and are you freelancing it, or are you proto-lancing it? Locale is northern U.S. for the most part. Um, it's a combination of, and this is definitely not prototypical, Appalachians area. Oh, okay. um, you know, BN never went to the Appalachians I know of. I think farthest east they went was Birmingham, Alabama. Okay. And and so, yeah, that is that is not, uh, it doesn't make sense. Um, it, it, it's, <laughs> well, uh, really, what does, right? So, yeah. <laughs> uh, Pacific Northwest is kind of at the other end. So if, if you if you look at the the horseshoe in the in the shape of an upside down U, I suppose the top of the horseshoe is Pacific Northwest, and then the bottom right is Appalachians area where I have the coal mine located. Mm-hmm. So I, I I love the location the, the the locale of the Appalachians with all the rich vegetation. That's kind of what I'm trying to accomplish and. And what I wanted, you know, what I wish could have happened was um, the BN actually did make it that far east, and we had some decent photographs of, of you know, the Cascade Green going through uh, that that hilly area with all the all the greenery around it. Right. 
um, instead of just nothing but conifers and, and pines and right. so on and so forth. So uh, it's it's kind of um, fictional in, in that, you know, I guess you could call it proto-lance. Right. You know, it's, uh, that's yeah. the beauty of the hobby. You get to make happen what you want to have happen. Yeah. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, that, that may um, progress into something more specific. Um, you know, I think I mentioned to you uh, a few weeks ago, Tim, that, that I was uh, – kind of working on a story uh, that heavily involved the BN. Uh, and, and so it, it involves the BN and, and the eastern, the east coast. And, and it, I don't want to get into too much detail because I just don't know enough to, to force this to make sense. But it, it, it has to do with the BN and some sort of acquisition or merger that could have happened. Um, so... Uh, that 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 may still happen. I'm not sure. And then, uh, as far as uh, the other, the bottom left of the horseshoe, that is, um, I'm not sure what that's going to be yet. It, it, it's currently uh, disassembled right now. That uh, the bench work had to be rebuilt. I realized that I was having issues with the the radius there. Um, that was one of the very early parts of the layout that I built, and it. Um, I, I, I will never do this again, and I don't recommend doing it. Um, never eyeball your radius. Ooh, <laughs> yeah. So, um, you know, I, I figured, yeah, it'll be fine. It's wide enough. And no, I was way off. Um, so uh, that's uh, in the process. Well, it will be in the process of getting rebuilt uh, with a nice, smooth 22-inch radius. And it's and it's on an incline, too. So, you know, uh, on an incline with a with a radius too tight it makes it really difficult to uh to go up that grade uh, it's a two percent grade there gotcha. and so that that may end up being um uh, more of the pacific northwest or or you know possibly um uh you know uh midwest upper upper midwest possibly all right cool can you tell us uh when you were trying to figure out what you were going to do here, you already said you're, you're proto-lancing to a certain extent. Uh, and obviously we know that you enjoy the Burlington Northern. Uh, you've told us that you enjoy the an Appalachian feel. Uh, what kind of research uh, or anything have you done in order to model whether it's the, the BN itself or Appalachian railroading? What were the things that appealed to you about that? What are the, the, the sources that you used in order to try to learn more about it? Up until now, unfortunately, I I did not do a whole lot as far as the the, the prototype goes. Uh, most of the research I did, and, and this is probably a bad habit, uh, I was just looking at what everybody else was doing instead of looking at the prototype. And so I basically I would look at uh, somebody's layout and, and see something I like and try to try to replicate that. Um, Right now, the research is 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 starting. That's good. Um, okay. <laughs> matter matter of fact, my wife just got me a couple of books um, on the BN. Um, one is the History of the Burlington Northern by Bill Yenne, Y N E E or Y E N N E. Okay. And and the other one is Burlington Northern and its Heritage by uh, Steve Glashinsky. So. My research is officially starting now. Hey, okay, cool. <laughs> I can uh, more accurately uh, model uh, the BN and and its its um, uh, track areas of the towns that it went through. So, 
Um, this this will be this won't be for this layout though. Um, this this is early early planning for the next layout. Gotcha. Which okay. will probably dwarf the one I currently have if if, if I you know if things go the way I want them to go. Nice. Excellent. Okay. Cool. That's good. Very cool. Uh, well, if you could then. No, actually, just to go off script a little bit. Yeah. That's the beautiful thing about this this hobby is you'll you'll catch us all in different modes of learning. I mean, Craig was there back when mm-hmm. I was still running a donut of death, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> was very patient with me. And uh, you know, so I came up with something a bit more sincere. And uh, but uh, and then, but for some people, that's just they just that's not where they're at, and that's fine too. There's there's room for everybody in the hobby. Uh, and I think just the important thing is is that you want to learn, you keep on learning, and that's great that uh, that uh, Ola was able to pick you up those those books and that you can get started. Right, and I'll tell you, for me, one of the funny things that occurred to me, and I, I've talked about this many times on the show, but uh, one of the things that when I when I, I started, kind of started in a very similar place, uh, I decided I wanted to model uh, Connecticut, and I was going to model the 1950s, and I picked, I found uh, an atlas, and I looked at, uh, I said, well, railroads are usually named after rivers, so I found a river, and I named my railroad after it. And uh, so I was very happy freelancing. And then someone came along and told me, you know, there really was a Housatonic Railroad. And I'm like, <laughs> really? And they're like, yeah, yeah. So I started researching it. And then the funny thing that happens as you start to research things oftentimes is that you start finding out that what was really there is actually way more interesting than what you kind of like pulled up and was like, well, that'd be cool or this would be cool. And it ends up really affecting your thinking and how you want to do things. And that's one of the ways that I actually ended up modeling the 1890s <laughs> because I started getting so into it and I found out there was so much more interesting stuff that, that, that all happened before the year 1900. I was like, you know, I got to model this. It's <laughs> So research is a wonderful and scary thing at the same time. <laughs> yeah, so what Craig is trying to tell you is to watch out because it does have effects. <laughs> but they're good effects. They're yeah, very yeah. good. Yeah, effects. there's nothing bad that can come from that. No, no. The only thing is that bad comes from is you eventually start saying, I'm not happy with what I'm doing now. I want to change. <laughs> and that means tearing things out and rebuilding things. and you know. But, but that's all fun. So. Yeah. Most definitely. And I, I've actually thought about doing that every once in a while is, is just tearing it down and starting over. Mm-hmm. And, and I really don't want to. I am, <laughs> I feel like I'm past the point of no return. And, and I really just, even though that four by eight sheet uh, in when I was seven years old was technically my first layout. I'm not counting that one. This, this is my first layout. And, and I really just want to follow through and, and, and at least give it a finished look. Um, give it a finished appearance, get some good photographs from it, uh, you know, enjoy it a little bit, run some trains. Um, You know, when I, when I started building this layout, I wasn't expecting it to be what it is now. It just kind of, it was impromptu. It just kind of evolved. Yeah. And you know, it, it started with an eBay purchase. Uh, You know, uh, again, when Isaac was about six months old, I decided I'm going to get back into this. So I went on eBay, looked at these HO scale lots that, you know, comes with a little bit of everything, all used parts. Okay. Um, you know, 100 feet or so of sectional Atlas snap track, uh, some brass, uh, shame on me, some nickel silver. <laughs> well, uh, uh, you live and learn. <laughs> and, and so it, I just started putting things together on what was originally shelving in my garage. It was kind of a, a half workbench, half shelf. 
And that's actually what it's part of the layout now. And so it, it, you know, I, I was like, well, let's let's get some road bed, some cork road bed, and see how this looks. Okay, well, let's let's uh, extend this out this direction, which mm-hmm. in, in that particular case would have been the top of the horseshoe, you know. And and also uh, <clears throat> at at work, I came across a a ridiculous amount of two inch uh, foam insulation. Ah, okay. So I brought all that stuff home, started building mountains, and it just kind of grew and grew. I started. A, you know, acquiring more, um, more rolling stock and locomotives. Um, the, the rolling stock and locomotives that, that originally came with that, that lot that I got on eBay is gone. <laughs> so, yeah, the, um, things like that tend to happen. Yeah. <laughs> in, in the track, um, most of it is, is used, uh, sectional, uh, you know, snap track. Um, it, it's all, uh, the the number what are what is it number five snap switches or number fours I think um, pretty much the tightest radius you can get on a on a pre-made switch I think right. uh, and and actually um, before I started buying flex track I was able to get the 22 inch radius with the sectional and and these these are nine inch sectional 18 inch radius uh, mm-hmm. pieces of track so. I flipped the track over and started cutting the web between every two ties and I would solder two pieces of track together. So I would have an 18 inch section of track. Then I would start my radius with that 18 inch section of track soldered in place with, with the straight track. And then I would gradually um, form it out to a 22 inch radius. Hmm. And, And so that worked out pretty well. It was, it was, labor-intensive, time-consuming, um, but it, it it works out pretty well. With the sectional track, you get more of the clickety-clack sound than you would. <laughs> well, the, that's true, yeah. Um, not always desirable, but, yeah, it's pretty cool. And, um, you know, I just I made what I had work and, and tried to tried to keep it looking nice. Um, it's all code 100. Um, I, I, I can tell you right now, the next layout will definitely be code 83. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it, I'm Atta doing and <laughs> code 100. It, it looks, it looks fairly decent or it's yeah. starting to look decent as I learn how to properly ballast track. And there you go. And I'll tell you what else, <laughs> if you paint it, then you just yeah. make it like a rust color. It really makes it work a lot better. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, before I ballasted, all the track was painted with your, um, your Rust-Oleum camo brown. Okay. Uh, and then, and then, uh, ballast is uh, the the medium uh, woodland scenics. Uh, and I'm using different colors. I'm using the dark brown uh, in some areas. I'm using the gray in, oh, in nice. other areas. Yeah. And and oh, and, and um, the coal mine is using the uh, cinders. Nice. So um, nice. Yeah. another thing I would change with along with the code 83 track is I would go with fine ballast. Uh, just to enhance the look of it, uh, you know, when you look at real railroads and and you start thinking, wow, that that medium ballast would be like miniature boulders between the tires. Like yeah. <laughs> pretty uh, much, yeah, it's true. But that's all that's all the learning process too, you oh, know. Sure, that's yeah, yeah. So, um, just just a little bit then, if you can, um, this is under question five. Um, just describe a little bit the traffic. The, the the track plan that you've got going on you know if you how many towns you have you know if you've got any passing sightings or any yards like that sure uh, one end of the, the the bottom right of the horseshoe is is the coal mine uh, 
I tried to give um, the, the, I tried to give the coal mine a, a long yard lead, long enough so that we can get a decent uh, you know 20 car coal train in uh, without blocking the main. And um, that I mean that pretty much takes up the entire right side of the horseshoe, uh, and and some of the left uh, at, at the at the center of the uh, top of the horseshoe. There's there's a small siding, uh, two track siding, and that will be uh, a small freight house right there. Uh, I have the kit for that. It's a Walters Mainline freight house. Uh, it, it's I haven't even started building it yet. That's probably what will be going there. <clears throat> the and the coal mine also has a has a, a small uh, I guess you could call it a team track. It, it it's it's uh, I figured out what it was going to be used for after I put it there. Uh, <laughs> it's fair. It's, it works. Uh, uh, it, 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 sh- it hopefully it, it it will be a. Um, just a small track where uh, box cars or, or flat cars can get dropped off for uh, uh, mining equipment. And, and so I'm um, planning on building a small uh, scratch built loading dock right there next to that track. And, and then between there and the, uh, and the coal mine is a small engine house, the pike stuff kit, a uh, single, single engine house. And right behind the coal mine, the, the main line kind of goes around into a tunnel comes out back up to the top of the horseshoe and that's a pretty uh mountainous area right there um uh the the top left of the horseshoe is another tunnel and and that's also where my two percent grade starts at the top left of the horseshoe and then it continues on down to the bottom left of the horseshoe and then right there at, at, at the that's actually where the bench work is torn apart there's a flyover um with a uh, trestle that goes across the other side of the, the the main line that will be coming back up the left side of the the horseshoe, and and that will be um, depending on what I do there. I'm probably going to have another tunnel right there, and I plan on the one town that will be on the layout will be probably right there, and uh, along with uh, an engine facility. Very nice. Very nice. I haven't decided what's going to be in the town, but I do want to drop in a few more industries there. Um, I would like to, you know, be in the, the, the bread and butter was coal and grain. So uh, somewhere I'd like to drop in a, a couple of grain silos and, um, and then possibly, sure, yeah. mm-hmm. possibly a cement factory as well. Jonathan, uh, so you described a couple of the industries. Uh, used to be a coal mine and a few other things. And one of the things you just mentioned, which I think is a great idea, considering that you're modeling the BN, is the uh, the grain traffic, because uh, that was absolutely huge. All those roads that went into the BN, possibly with the exception of the Spokane, Portland, and Seattle, uh, but they were all grain railroads. They had a huge part of their uh, their livelihood was actually moving grain, uh, you know, east to go to uh, Europe or west to go to China, you know, for export as well as for, you know, Chicago and New York and all other cities where obviously we use that stuff. But that was a huge part of what they did. So I love the idea of uh, putting in a couple of, uh, you know, grain, you know, psyches and silos or, you know, grain towers of some sort. But uh, so what other kinds of industries uh, on the current layout and maybe even if you've thought about it at all on the, on the next layout, what are you, what are you thinking about that you want to include? On the next layout, I would like to include steel. 
uh, for sure. Uh, steel and cement, actually, uh, and mainly because of where I'm currently living, I have a pretty good view out my back window of Midlothian Cement and um, I don't remember the name of the other company. There, there's a cement factory and a steel mill and a power plant grouped together right there in, in uh, Midlothian, Texas. And, and there is pretty heavy... Uh, pretty heavy traffic right on the other side of the highway from where I live, uh, bringing in uh, raw materials, uh, whether it be um, gravel or, or sand mm-hmm. and scrap metal, so on and so forth. Coal, they, uh, they're bringing in tons of coal for that power plant. Um, and, and probably for the, uh, for the steel mill, too. they gotta, they got to uh, get that uh, fire hot enough for the... That's uh, for sure, yeah. They have to burn something to melt the, to melt the scrap metal, so... I might try to uh, see if I can include that. It is it is a, a lot of real estate. The the the, the steel mill is huge, uh, and, and so is the cement factory. But uh, mm-hmm. having having those three industries and, and the power plant right next to each other, I think would be great to model. Um, just managing that traffic, especially in an obsession. Obsession. By the way, I know nothing about operations, but um, you, you know, will. <laughs> you will. <laughs> yeah. You will. Yeah, I really see that little Star Wars reference right there. <laughs> um, so that, that I hope to include that in in my next layout. Uh, in, in the BN did come into Texas. Um, that was the Fort Worth division. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, it's uh, funny that, that you mentioned that because I was just going to ask if you've considered that perhaps you should model Texas. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that can kind of be, you know, depending on what I do, I might still maintain a, mm-hmm. a kind of a, a, a U.S. in a nutshell type um, mm-hmm. locale. No, I'm just thinking uh, you know, what you're describing, and it's it's all right there, and you've got the BN there, and you know it's like you know maybe this is a match made in heaven. See, Jonathan, see, Jonathan this is what you have to watch out for. This is what Craig does. Oh yeah, I'm very good at planting <laughs> ideas. And people watch it, it like sleeping. It, it, and yeah, I'm I'm much appreciative that 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 is. Um, I'll take that as inspiration. I, I'll take as much as I can get. Mm, okay. Well, good because if you like that, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, nice. Well, you um, you mentioned the the, uh, the motive power earlier that you were concentrating on, but uh, one thing I, I I didn't think to ask earlier on, well, because I have it down here on question seven, is are you running DC power or are you doing DCC? Actually, both. Okay. Uh, wow. Okay. <clears throat> most of my um, my motive power is it starts out as DC. Um, it, it's cheaper to uh, cheaper to buy uh, to get started, and, and I, I realize in the long run I'm spending just as much, if not more, uh, than I would if I was just going to buy a brand new engine with DCC and sound built in. But I like the challenge, and uh, in, in, you know, the, the putting the puzzle pieces together of of upgrading an engine to DCC with sound. Um, I I have a few engines that I have upgraded. I have a few others that already had DCC and sound in them when I when I purchased them. Um, <clears throat> the the most uh, the most involved upgrade that I did was uh, a Walther's GP9M uh, Burlington Northern, uh, and, and that was um, you know it started off as DC, and so I went out and got the cheapest sound decoder I can find. Of course, it was an, an MRC. Okay. Oh, uh, oh, got a okay. um, 
Uh, oh, by the way, my DCC system is NCE PowerCAD. Oh, oh, it's a good it's a good choice. Yeah, especially um, for a smaller railroad, it's an excellent choice. Yeah, um, I think it has a two amp limit on it, so mm-hmm. I, you know I might be able to run two or three locomotives simultaneously. Yep. Uh, without uh, uh, exceeding current capacity, um, and so it, the the MRC installation went pretty well. Uh, you know the, the the Walters it was a train line. Uh, it wasn't incredibly detailed, but it was it was pretty easy to to shove everything in the shell. Um, I got an old uh, Dell laptop speaker, and that fit. Uh, pretty easily in the shell, and the the uh, radiator fan uh, was you know it, it was solid to begin with. So I used a, a hand drill and actually drilled out tiny little holes uh, inside each uh, grid square uh, to let the sound out. I had the, the the speaker driver was facing up towards that, and it was also a base reflex enclosure that came out of the laptop, and so the port for the enclosure was actually. Uh, right where the engine intake was on the side of the shell, and it also had uh, the same grid pattern. So I did the same thing there, and I just kind of drilled out in between the squares, little holes to to allow uh, the, the base reflex system to, to work properly. And and, and uh, aside from that, I added LEDs to it. Um, I tell you though, wait, going back to the, the doing a lot for the sound. I'm somewhere Kaylee Zhang is giving her silent nod of approval there. I'm oh, yeah, saying. I'm sure she is. <laughs> well done. But that's, that's my background. Uh, you know, it, between the the um, the age where I, I the, the hobby dropped off and, and picked up again, I also, car audio was my other hobby. So oh, okay. So you're familiar I, with wiring and soldering and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, and, and uh, building speakers, uh, enclosures for speakers, uh, so on and so forth. So um, that, that's that's kind of my bread and butter. I, I'm very experienced with it, and it's been, in, in, at my job too. Um, prior to uh, having the position I have now, where I sit at the desk all day, I was a technician, so I was I had a soldering iron in my hand probably 50 percent of my day. There you go. So um, I'm I'm no stranger to uh, uh, something like. Uh, Decoder installation. You know, as far as the um, expertise needed to do something like that. Um, no, I'm going to channel the spirit of Craig here again. Uh oh. But you know, if you're really good with a soldering iron, you should one of these days try handling your own turnouts. I'm just saying that's transferable skill. Guessing you were referencing hand building turnouts. Uh, yes. Yeah. Yeah, okay. I can go over it again if you want. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. Go ahead and say it. All right, so, yeah, no, what I said before, Jonathan, was that uh, it, it sounds like one of those things that's really, really difficult and that nobody would ever want to try in their right mind. But as it turns out, it's actually a lot of fun, and it's not nearly as difficult as everybody thinks it is. I you know, I, I banged on uh, Tim for the longest time to get him to try it. He, he fought me and fought me, and he finally tried it. And now he's like, you know what? This is fun. I like doing it. You know, so... If you've got the skills with a soldering iron already and, you know, you're planning on, you know, improving your layout, it's one of the best ways to do that. Uh, you'll never have to buy another expensive turnout again, and you'll always get exactly what you want. You know, on the first one, when you do it, it doesn't come out so good. You know, like, eh. you, you do the second one, and it, it's definitely better. By the time the third one's done, you're like, oh, yeah, I got it. I got this now. This works. And you don't even need to buy the expensive tools like the fast track stuff, which is great. Don't get me wrong. Uh, oh, yeah. but you can learn to do it, you know, just with a handful of rail, a file, and a soldering iron, and that's all you really need. Yeah. You know, and it's yeah. definitely worth investigating. 
And and I would assume PC board ties as well. Not necessarily. You don't have to do that. You can actually do it right on. Uh, the best way to do it is to get wood ties uh, from someplace like Mount Albert or uh, uh, what is it, Kapler. There's a couple of different companies that make them in HO scale. Uh, you take them and you, you make yourself a jig in order to space them out. You put them in the jig, you, you lay a piece of tape over it, and then you pull them up. And then when you're ready, on top of your cork or home soap, whatever you're using, you lay out some glue, and then you put the ties down on that. Uh, and then, you know, you, you glue them down. And when the ties are done, you sand the tops so that they're all even. And then the next thing you do is you start just laying the track right on top of it, you know, keeping it centered on there. And then the next thing after that, when you start working on a turnout, uh, you just, I mean, I'm, I'm not going to get into all the details right now, but it, it's basically simple. You just kind of start with uh, the two wing rails, which are the, the outer rails that go to each of the two different uh uh, destinations and then you kind of build out from there you build in the the rails on the other end to come to the point and then you start putting in the wing rails uh that uh did i say the wing, wing rails i, I mean uh, the closure rails excuse me uh which are the ones that come to the other end of the point and before you know it you're done yeah you know and they just got to get a, a good uh like a track gauge and you tell you what you can you can you'll learn it real quick and you can do some really amazing track work with it so You've got soldering skills. That's like half the battle, right there. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, you know how to handle soldering iron. You're you're good to go. Yeah. <clears throat> so I don't know if you remember those those drug commercials, those anti drug commercials from the early uh, from the mid '80s, where the kids were like, "Try it, you'll like it." You know, kind of like it'll make you feel good. But uh, that's we'll get off our soapbox now. But we heard you say solder, soldering iron, so it, it that that automatically makes us get up on our soapbox a little bit. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, and. and- I, I can I can assure you the next layout I would like to hand build all of the turnouts. That is, I mean I I have I have drank the Kool Aid as far as that goes. <laughs> all right, uh, yeah, he's in the I club. Mean, all right, and, and Craig, I, I appreciate the the explanation, but I, yeah, I was sold a long time ago. Um, and and uh, I really love the layout with all. I just love the look of hand laid track. Um, the the amount of labor that's involved with it, I'd, I'd I would be afraid that the uh, track would never be completed. But uh, you know, and I'm sure, just like uh, you know what you said about uh, hand building turnouts, mm-hmm. um, it, it goes faster uh, the more you do and the easier it does. It, it really it does. Well, so um, <clears throat> and yeah, I, I remember watching um, Mike Deverell building a, a, a fast, a fast tracks turnout. Oh yeah. We know Mike. Sure. It, yeah. All right. It, it, uh, he was just showing us, he had a, he had a, I don't remember if it was a, a, uh, a testing car, you know, that has the, the clear, uh, frame on top of just right, the trucks. Right. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah. And, and he was just kind of showing us how smooth it was as he, he lifted up the turnout and just lifted one end of it and then the other end of it. And it just kind of glided through the, the turnout. Like it yeah. was, it's so uh, satisfying when you get that done and everything runs so nice. <clears throat> but yeah, absolutely. I, I I would like to learn to do that without the the fast tracks jig, um, and and I feel like I would have more control over um, how I can build it uh, at mm-hmm. that. Point. And I know there's obviously there's a way to do it. People were doing it before fast tracks. Uh, oh, of uh, course. So. Um, yeah, absolutely. I would love to do that and, and possibly learn how to handle a track um, in the long run as well. It's it's so freeing, and this is what this is what uh, Craig and Jim Lincoln really uh, and and 
and uh, Dave Ramos and a few others really kind of impressed me with uh, when I would see their layouts or see what they were doing track wise. Um, and that is, it can get it gets you what you want basically. I mean, for instance, like I've got a I'm working on Bolson Street Yard. I've got to make a curved ladder. I've already got one partially done, but I have to extend it. But you know how expensive that would be if I was just doing that from, I mean, one one commercial curved turnout is going to be what, Craig? Thirty bucks? I don't know. About that, I think. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's been a long time since I bought track, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, but so what I love is 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 I'm not even thinking twice about that curved ladder. It's like, nope, I want it. I can make it. Don't need to buy it, and I'll spend maybe maybe five to ten dollars worth of material on it that right. and so um all right i think we got through everything jonathan was there anything that we should have asked you that we forgot uh not that i can think <laughs> of i think i covered pretty much everything that i know well um, that's good <laughs> which isn't much but you know i'm, I'm building on that yeah, we'll just keep up the research and uh, take advantage of those books. And uh, but mm-hmm. in the meantime, keep doing what you're doing and uh, posting the stuff and posting the pics. It's great to see them. And uh, it's, uh, how long? I've meant to ask you, Jonathan. When did you first start listening to the Model Railcast show? How far back does that go? I would say about five years ago. Okay. All right. So, all right. So about a year after uh, about a year after Isaac was born. Then okay. Yeah, yeah, around there. Um, and at what point did I, you realize it was your your uh, your your cousin-in-law who was running the show? When I believe it was when my it was before I created the Facebook page, mm. and and my wife posted a picture of the layout on there, and then you jumped on and commented and said, "Yeah, you know, I, I've got my podcast." And you, you were about to interview um, the owner of Fast Tracks. Okay. And, oh, okay. Uh, you, you mentioned that you were you were uh, working on that in your podcast, and I was like, podcast. Um, okay. And, and you know, I before this was this kind, of, you had this conversation with with Ola. Uh, I was I was aware of the Model Railcast show, but I had no idea it was you. <laughs> and it, 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 I. I just went on the internet looking for podcasts. You know, I knew podcasts existed and I was getting back into the hobby. So I was like, Oh, I wonder if there's any podcasts for model railroading. So, uh, I will admit the first one I found was model rail radio. Oh yeah. That, that comes up pretty quick in the searches. <laughs> it does. And, and I love, you know, I love listening. You know, what hooked me for that show is, is Tom's intro. Oh, okay. <laughs> for some reason, I just, every time I hear that intro, I get that warm, fuzzy feeling. And I'm yeah. like, yeah, this is this is where I belong, and so um, uh, from there, I think. A matter of fact, I think you were you were on there once or twice yeah. before you that conversation with Ola okay. on, on Facebook, and and it just it didn't it didn't really I didn't put the pieces together until you mentioned to her that you you had that podcast and you had Model Railcast show. So, um, yeah, hey, that's that's pretty much how it started, and and here we are now. So. Um, <laughs> that's cool. I, I think it was, I think it was fate. You know, um, I knew eventually I was going to, I was going to end up, uh, being involved in the communities in one way or another. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, why not, why not jump on, on the podcast? Right. And, and I really, really, I wasn't expecting you guys wanted to, or you were, I didn't think I would want to be interviewed, um, <laughs> for this. So, uh, I'm, I'm, uh, 
very appreciative appreciative that that you guys wanted to wanted to uh, bring me on. Oh, it's oh, no pleasure. problem. Absolutely our pleasure, yes. <laughs> All right, doing good there. Okay, well, Jonathan, please keep in touch uh, with Model Railcast Show. Please keep posting your pictures, and we'll look forward to uh, to seeing what you have to offer and, of course, uh, following your progress. You know, when you, when you get into that new house you know, we're, we'll, and you get started on that second layout, we'll probably bug you again or something like that just to see what's going on. Yep. Oh, absolutely. I will I will be more than happy to provide updates. Fabulous. <laughs> That's great. Excellent. Craig, thank you so much. I know you, you're getting ready for a big trip, but I appreciate you being able to come on. Oh, yeah. No, no problem. My pleasure. And that's great. All right, Model Railcasters. Well, we will um, – it's possible I might have another segment on, but uh, if not, we will see you, see you for show. Gosh, this is 229. So, yeah, Craig, I think, I think we'll – 230. Yeah, I think we're going to get 230 yeah. out before the okay. year's done. <laughs> that would be special. You know, not having to wait until uh, Santa comes around, that would be great. Oh, and before, <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. And before I forget, um, model railcasters, uh, don't forget if you think you can make it to the MARP on the Mid Atlantic RPM, uh, go ahead and uh, go ahead and register. Uh, Bernie has said if if COVID nineteen cancels it, you will get your money back. But uh, as as of right now, they're still planning on having it, and I'm still planning on being there for at least uh, at least two of those days. Um, you're are you going to be there, Craig? I haven't actually decided yet. Right. Uh, I'm still kind of a little nervous about the whole uh, pandemic thing. Yeah. Uh, I'm kind of waiting to see how it all works out. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll probably go ahead and register uh, because they want to support them, uh, and I probably will go. But uh, you know, I. Just kind of, I have a you know eighty something year old mother and I can't you know take too many chances so, sure, sure. but uh, you know I'm hoping to be there. I think it'd be great. All right, great. All right, Jonathan, Craig, have a pleasant evening. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. You too, guys. Thank you. Model Railcasters, we've got a special guest with us right now for this branch line. I've got Gordy Robinson, and you may have, you, sh- you should have heard, if you haven't yet, have heard him on uh, Modeler's Life, and he's connected with the NMRAX, and we just had to get him on. Gordy, how are you doing? I'm doing good. Good. Thanks. Yourself? I'm doing, I've got some Glenn Moranzi in my hand. I'm doing well. <laughs> good. I, uh, I tell you, I, uh, Although he wasn't Scottish, I met this little Irishman who forever changed my life and introduced me to the single malt Scotch world, and so I've been forever grateful. Uh, I've, I've been an evangelist for single malt Scotches for the last four years. So. Uh, Good man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, just a little bit about yourself, though. You're in the Orkney Islands, I know, um, and have you always been a resident of the Orkney Islands? No, not always. Um my partner, she's uh, she's from Orkney, and uh, so we met back in 2017, and uh, she always wanted to come home. In fact, she talked about it on her first date, and so that's what we've worked towards ever since. So, yeah, we just finished our, our new house uh, three days before lockdown and uh, moved in, so it's been great. Oh, that's wonderful. That's wonderful. And you have a little one. I do. I have a little Annabelle who... Uh, NMRA folks, especially in the UK, but around the world, are kind of getting to know Annabelle because she uh, she pops up now and again and says hello and <laughs> does does various bits and pieces. So yeah, she's pretty good. Oh, that's awesome! That's awesome. And um, 
and she said she's she's 18 months old. So you're you, she'll she'll be an event. You'll be evangelizing her to the hobby, I'm sure. Uh, I don't. It's not difficult um, at the moment. At the moment, it's been great because we've been watching replays together. Because I'm obviously working from home, we can't go anywhere at the minute. So uh, we we spend our lunch hour together watching uh, reruns of NMRAX. So it's been pretty good. Uh, <laughs> she, she loves it. So excellent, excellent. So on that, I mean, obviously you saw an issue coming uh, with this, all this COVID nineteen stuff and train shows getting left and right. What was your inspiration to get behind the NMRAX? So it's not something that we've done for COVID. I think that's a misconception that's ah. going around just because of the timing. So okay. um, this was something that I so I went to um, the convention in Florida in 2017 and um, actually just a few weeks after meeting uh, my partner Alex. So anyway, I was out there for like a month at working in the States and I managed to tag on the end going to the convention. And I thought at that time, wow, I'm really lucky to be able to be here, but how many people can't be here? And I saw that, oh, it's in Florida, so not to be offensive to anyone from Florida, but I saw the age uh, demographic that was there and spoke to quite a lot of people, and they all said that they don't normally travel outside a state, right. even. So I was like, well, this isn't very good. And I, you know, I, I've worked in healthcare for, well, before I, I don't work in healthcare anymore, but I did do 10 years in healthcare. And so I, I know that a lot of people self-isolate and are lonely and don't leave the house and can't travel for medical, professional, personal, mm. whatever reasons. And so I, it was like, how can other people take part and get a benefit from all this knowledge that's out there? Yes, there's YouTube videos, but most of the people that really know their stuff for modeling don't necessarily know how to make a video. Mm -hmm. And and so how can we do that? And 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 also how can we make the make things more accessible? Just more accessible in general. The, right. the format is the what the format is at the moment, but that's not the only thing that we're working on, but I'm sure we'll come on to that. So it was kind of like how can we do that? And then I was fortunate enough to go to Kansas City in 2018 and Alex came along with me. And we, we rented an Airbnb and we had a few, we had uh, Speed, who's one of the hosts, I, that's where I got to meet Speed, okay. um, a little bit longer than I had met him on a work trip before in Dallas, but that was how I really got to know Speed, and I met Martin there as well, and we were kicking the idea around there, and I was like, when I move into my new house, we're going to launch this, but right now, I've started packing away my things, I know I'm going to be moving, I've got to focus on building the house, that's what we're going to do. As soon as I get into the house boom we're launching this and we're going to do it within a month and they were like wow. yeah fine 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 and then the house has got a little bit delayed as all new build houses do and we ended up moving in about six months after we'd initially intended but so that so actually then all coincidentally i moved in on the 20th of march we launched nmrx on the 24th of april so it kind of we we hit our month target just about and um yeah, so that's where it all came from. So it's, it's the, the the thing for me is that people um, people can take part in NMR activities. It's not equitable um, mm. across the world, even. Right. Never mind across states in some instances. There'll be one division that's really active, one division that's not. And so, um, you know, I, I wanted people to have more more availability and to, to help regions and divisions to go virtual. So through March, I actually helped work with the Piedmont division down in Atlanta, who, because of work reasons, I've spent quite a lot of time in Atlanta and I've been able to attend their meetings in person. And so we got them set up on WebEx. They started doing the meetings and all of a sudden, which was of no surprise to me, um, people that they'd not seen for years started participating again. Oh, wow. Started engaging. 
and that wasn't a surprise to me. I expected it. Mm-hmm. And so, um, having been the since 2016, I've been the the not the division super because it doesn't quite work like that in the UK, but the equivalent position um, in the in Scotland. And all of my members are dispersed across Scotland, actually, and Ireland, and they're dispersed. I think the closest two members live two hours apart. So it's difficult. We held one meeting back in 2016 um, and it was a challenge to get everybody to be able to come together, uh, even for that meeting. So we've been working, doing virtual meetings for about nine months. Okay. Um, So so we've been doing that already. So we kind of knew that technology would work. So where we're at with NMREX is uh, we then, with COVID, it was, okay, we can promote and support the, re- the divisions, regions. I mean, we've even give a bit of advice to OPSIG so that OPSIG could stream their videos on Facebook. They came up with the idea that's what they wanted to do to stream their meetings. Right. And then we just sent a, I sent a message to Ed, the secretary of OPSIG, and said, look, this is the technology you need to use. Go and have a go. He's a, quite a techie guy. Go and have a go at setting up <laughs> yourself. Any problems come back to us. Boom, it was working. Wow. And so um, it's not difficult, you know. And so we did that, and, and, and those kind of things have been going on. But the... The NMREX uh, Virtual Model Railroad Conventions is probably what most people are seeing at the moment as a as a global thing. Um, the the idea for doing those really came from um, I, I knew we could do it, mm. but I had a conversation. Well, a great guy called Thomas Gazier. Oh yes, <laughs> yeah. Let's um, just probably say Thomas Gazier MMR, but he's he's a very modest man and doesn't like to uh, to promote the fact that he's a master model railroad. He he said to me um, that he wanted to do something for his members and they were going to live stream it on Facebook. And I was like totally supportive. I was like, do it if you want me to do something, I'll do it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's great. Do it, promote it, push it. Let's see how it goes. So it was great that I had them willing and able to guinea pig that and uh, it wasn't difficult and, and, and through that period we were gearing up and getting ready to launch NMREX so it was a good it was actually just convenient uh, for me to just be able to see how it worked and we saw it and we saw that they were having people individually live streaming or launching Facebook live themselves from home we saw the problems with that uh, there was some lags there was different uh, the quality wasn't necessarily there so uh, Martin and and a guy called Brad Anderson out in Australia, mm-hmm. um, they suggested we used OBS and Webby and push the two things together. Um, and so we did that. And we, I said, well, if we're going to do it, we've got to go big. So let's do it for 24 hours, boys. So uh, <laughs> they were like, uh, okay. And I was like, well, we're all in different time zones. Let's right. So I never thinking that I would get like 24 people to say I'll do a clinic. Right. Um, but if you don't go big, you don't get there, do you? Right. You know? so, so I was like, that's what we're going to do. That's our mission statement. We're going to get 24 hours. We're going to launch this. It's going to be the biggest thing anyone's ever seen. Um, and so within 12 days, we had 24 people. We trained them. We set up the Webby system. We'd set up OBS. We'd done the ins and outs. We'd got the music. We'd done everything. Boom. The whole thing came together in like 12 days. So on the 24th, 25th of April, um, we, we launched the first one. Um, wasn't without some problems, but pretty much we were lucky. Uh, it worked really well. I think we we decided that we could use the in our it's kind of become a time honored NMRAX tradition that we decide on the technology or bringing something new out like just in the previous 12 hours before it actually goes live um so yeah like 12 hours before the uh the first NMRAX was going to go uh, we weren't actually sure what the tech was going to be um but we we confirmed that we could use uh OBS and Webby um, and do a constant stream. So we confirmed that with everybody, and we got everybody up and running. 
um, and it worked really well. Um, and uh, we repeated, so we did the first NMRX, we had 24 hours of clinics non-stop all through the night, which is convenient when you've got Aussies that are like w- awake when we're asleep, mm. um, and uh, got the team together, so it, it worked really well, and we managed to get Lionel and the AML crew um, to, to do a live uh, video podcast, that was interesting, putting them on video, but yes. it worked, <laughs> and uh, we did that at the end, and that went down really well, and then it was a case of, well, let's repeat it um there is an ultimate motive we'll come on to of why we're repeating it but um so on the 16th of may and the th- just just yesterday the 30th of may uh, which possibly dates your podcast i apologize but no, we, that's quite right <laughs> we um we did another 12 hours so we decided to just do 12 hours rather than 24 because to be honest the first one nearly killed us all um because it's a lot of work to do a 20 24 hour live stream where you're having to stop it every six hours and and you need to make sure everybody comes in and 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 stuff but the viewing figures were for that first one were absolutely out of this world i think it, it, it achieved my goal which was um it was big enough that it blew everyone's mind Right. And it, it completely blew away the resistance. I think effectively it was the Pearl Harbor <laughs> of doing virtual conventions and stuff like this for the NMRA. It was so big, so quick that uh, it was unstoppable. And, and so uh, <clears throat> we really quickly were able to repeat that um, and, and ramp up and it made it very visible, which was great. So we did another two 12 hours in May, uh, more clinicians, uh, even more sub- subjects. So as we sit here right now, at uh, the end of May, right. just five weeks since we started, we've done, there is now 48 hours of wow. clinics that you can watch whilst you're locked in your house. And if you're out of your house right now, when the second waiver comes, which it did in 1918, so it's no, I'm not, you know, mm-hmm. I'm not making this up. When the second wave comes, you can sit there and you'll have 48 hours of content. Um, and it, it's fantastic. I mean, podcasts are great. I love podcasts, but there's nothing quite the same as having the expert there with a PowerPoint presentation. Oh yeah, walking you through it. And and I think the really good thing about the the format that we use is that you don't get hecklers. Ah. I, mean, I, love, I, I love a good heckler, but one thing I hate about convention attendance is that you always get that one person that wants to ask the really stupid question <laughs> or, or ask, ask the bleeding obvious. And, and the yeah. great thing about doing it online is and streaming it is that we can ask those questions in the chat. And yeah, we'll still ask that silly question. Although, to be fair, there's no daft questions, but uh, we'll still ask that question. But we don't have the difference is we don't have people telling the presenter how to do it. Right. So we only ask questions. You can tell other people in the chat what, how you, you've done it or whatever, and we're totally cool with that. But we're not going to say to the presenter, oh, someone else says you, you don't know what you're doing. Right. Which is what can happen at a convention. It's quite, it, 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 it's like, it, it affects my Britishness. It makes me very embarrassed when it happens. So, um, what we, what we've done there is, been able to get these as as now as videos so all of the all of the contents up on youtube like i just said and um you can see it all and we're going to repeat that now in june Mm -hmm. so in june the june the 13th and the 27th uh there'll be another 12-hour event they run from 6 a.m eastern i know that's early and i know for west coast u.s guys that's terrible but you've got to remember that there's folk all around the world watching this yeah right like i just picked the viewing figures up this morning for yesterday so 12 hours after it finished we were on um we were on something like 12,000 views it's even more now yeah. um 
the first convention that we did for 24 hours, 1,200 unique people watched the content actually live, and thousands of people watched it after it had been streamed live. That's so, amazing. You know, that's the scale of it. Right. I mean, you're a clinician. When was the last time, if you give a clinic, you gave a clinic to, to plus 200 people? And if you're Kaylee Zhang, she gave a clinic to 460 people right. live watching her clinic. And then the, the views on that are just in the thousands. So it's like the biggest stage in model railroading. There is no bigger stage than what we've just put out there for people to get themselves onto. And uh, that's the that's the great thing, you know. Wow. Just, just, I mean, I don't know whether you've given a clinic before there, but but I think the most I ever had in a clinic room was I had 80 mm. in a clinic that I gave. It was maybe not 80, that might be too many. It was about 40 to 60. The clinic room was full, so I had to do the clinic again. Right. That's how big that's how big it was. We couldn't fit any more people. And definitely in these current social distance climbs, there was no way that you could have got any more people in there. So that's the biggest clinic I've ever given. I've seen after-dinner speeches that have been to a couple of hundred people, uh, but not every clinic of every convention to 200 people. Right. So um, it's it's good. And and the and you know, one comment that's been leveled at me is I, I'm making this too elitist, and that's not not the case. Oh, not uh, at all. I, I think we've done well to cover topics from. From the beginner level stuff, we've got Clark Kooning, MMR coming in, giving us really good uh, clinics at a base level. We had Eduardo from Mexico. He's great. His, his stuff is okay, it's in Spanish on his YouTube channel, but you don't have to be able to understand Spanish to watch what he's doing. And he, he, he explains stuff really well and shows you how to do it. Um, so we've got all levels of people and content. Yesterday, we had a lecturer of computer science give a give a clinic on how to program an Arduino. All right. So so talk to us a little bit this is first of all this is really exciting. I love it because uh first of all I too was under the misconception uh that this was just a response to covid but this is something that you would envision for a while and just the timing of it um is is really more of of what's happened. Um but talk to us a little bit about the format if you would. So yeah, so the, the so the format of the virtual conventions is that somebody comes in on the hour every hour new clinician, um, and they come and give a clinic um, for 45 minutes. Now that could be a clinic with PowerPoint, that could be a video. So it's, we do layout tours, mm. um, and we, we do those by video, and you actually have the the kind of like an LD SIG tour. If you've ever been on an LD SIG tour, you actually have the person who built the layout talking about why they built it in such a way how they did the design of it pointing out really cool features of the layout and that's exactly what we do mm -hmm. it's not just what it's not just watching the trains go by and we have uh, <laughs> jerry hopkins uh, another master model railroader from australia who is like our roving reporter it's as if jerry knew this was coming right uh, because he spent the last five years videoing as many layouts as possible in australia to enable to, to promote Australia and Australian modeling. So now he's got no way to share those videos really because he's because their conventions have been canned as well. So we're giving them the we're giving them their exposure and I think people are really enjoying seeing the modeling that they really would never see. Mm. It's not like you've got to travel from one side of the US to the other to see this layout. This this is like getting on a plane and and risking getting yourself a DVT, avoiding all the spiders and the snakes and going watching the layout. <laughs> right. You know, going and seeing the layout. So 
it's it's great that he does that. Um, and then we have other clinicians that we've tried, and I'm still not sure I've got the format for this right. But we have people who do live demos, and there's if there's any format that's caused me the most problems, it's the live demos, um, because you're then relying on the quality of the internet at that time it's like any other live video that you would do if you were if you've ever watched a news broadcast and it's live then it can go pixelated you can lose the audio you can lose the video it's a, it's to be fair a bit of a nightmare right um so we may tweak that model slightly we may ask some people to do some video pre-recorded stuff and mm-hmm. then us stitch it and do the video editing for them i think that might be the way that we go forward with that but uh, those are kind of the three different flavors of what we've got but we've also outside of the nmrax events we've got an nmrax event on its own at the moment called ask the master model railroader okay yes. um, <laughs> we ran one of those in may that was great get a panel of master model railroaders and ask them any question you want and what that proved which i think is fantastic is that master model railroader doesn't mean know everything right and 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 so um you know it, it's people that know a lot about the hobby to a very high standard can answer questions and give great advice and they're a great group of people uh, but they can't know everything so it's, it's been really interesting to, to just show that these are real people who are still learning and still growing their knowledge of the hobby even though they've got this certificate uh, but they're always willing to share and I think everybody in the hobby should be willing to share no matter what you do um, someone else will never have seen the way you do something before right Absolutely. And so many people have their own ways of doing something their own way that they solve the problem or their own problem that they encountered that somebody else hasn't encountered yet or they fought of something that nobody else has thought of yet right like rex and and so um i encourage everyone to share mm. um just to, to share with others and, and and stuff because um it's it's just fantastic it's, it's what the hobby's all about to be honest there's not many other hobbies in the world where people share uh, their knowledge and skills so freely um as this one so yeah that's kind of the format that we've got uh, that's great one thing I, I would like to, to – first of all, this, again, just super exciting. So, yeah, why don't you um, just talk about some you, – you had mentioned options there. Yeah, so um, so some of the other things that we're looking at is um, we are supporting a growing number of regions and divisions to go virtual with their meetings. So that's near, near term uh, to enable people to provide um, – meetings in lieu of a face-to-face meeting but that's going forward being able to get people to either record the meeting mm-hmm. and then provide the video to people that can't attend right. or that's people being able to um uh have people interact on the other end of the phone so um texas don't really need our help but right. texas have got zoom licenses and they are doing exactly that and their plan is to do the the hybrid approach uh because of the the uh just the size of Texas. Mm. I mean, everything's bigger in Texas, right? So, <laughs> That's true. So just the physical size of, of where people are. Uh, we have other other divisions that are looking to record their stuff and they're making those investments. Um, and, and that's what I really want to see. So I have it on my plate at some point to... I've got this stuff typed, but we haven't released it. But we will soon be releasing guidance for regions, divisions, special interest groups and clubs on how to do that. So just some best practices. Right. Um, 
but the guys from NMRX will support getting you set up. We won't provide support forever, but we will provide support to people, get people set up, teach people how to use the software, and then leave them, leave it be. You know, um, once you know how to do it, you know how to do it. You can you can repeat the process. It's kind of like ballasting. So um, we're we're kind of like at that point there. Um, and and so that's the main thing for for NMRX is to is to enable more virtual content throughout the hobby. Right. But the other thing as well is like the Piedmont division down in Atlanta, fantastic, absolutely fantastic bunch of guys. If you wanted to like do gold standard of what a division should be, go and look at what the Piedmont guys are doing. Go and look at their website. They um they do this pilgrimage every year, which is basically open houses and people can go around and view people's layouts. Mm-hmm. Now, a lot of people can't travel. A lot of people in wheelchairs can't really get down the stairs of basements without ending up in a heap at the bottom of the stairs. Right. So what they've started to do is to record their trips out on layout tours. The Aussies have been doing it for years, but then, you know, the Aussies the Aussies are always ahead of people. They right. they do, they <laughs> They discovered that you could use sandpaper to tamper with cricket balls before anybody else realised. <laughs> so um, you can, you know, they, they, that's not a new top, new idea, but it's not being done. Um, right. And so stuff like that, you know, it's not necessarily meetings. People, a lot of people don't like meetings because of the politics and the formality of it. Mm-hmm. But the other stuff that goes on, the other good stuff in the hobby, is what people should be sharing. Right. And and so that's what we're trying to promote people to do on as a, as a, as an aside because um, that helps that'll help grow uh, the NMRA at a local level and right. that's really where where the nuts and bolts where the rubber hits the road so that's that's what we're trying to do um, so yeah so that's that's kind of that and then in terms of uh, NMRAX events in the future um, so coming up in uh, June. We've got three more NMRX events, um, two 12-hour sessions on the 13th and the 27th, which I think I've mentioned earlier, mm-hmm. and also another Ask the MMR. Oh, excellent. So so June's kind of in the can, okay. and I already have those clinicians. I actually have 80 clinicians, 80 people <laughs> who are willing to provide virtual clinics and multiple virtual clinics, and that number grows all the time. I always want more because um, that pool of people, I hope, will be able to provide uh, clinics to -to face-to-face meetings, even if that face-to-face meeting is not being live-streamed or not being shared out elsewhere. It's not too difficult to set up a projector and some speakers and to have somebody from who's who's a leading light in that aspect of the hobby come in and give you the best clinic you're ever going to get on that topic. Right. or one of the best, not necessarily the best, but um, that's been happening in the UK and Australia at our regional convention. We we have people come in from around the world virtually to provide clinics, and so that pool of 80 people, they're now available to the whole of the organisation, the whole of the world of model railroading, to come in and help at your event without you having to pay the expenses of getting them there or anything like that. So I want that to grow. So anyone that's listening to this that wants to give a clinic, get in touch. Um, but yeah, that's that's already where we're at. So it's not June that's exciting. Mm. June's already gone for me because I right. already know what's coming. So I've just got I've just made the beer fridge get stocked up for it, and so it's all good. Uh, <laughs> it's. July that's exciting. Oh, that is. So, uh, and I'm dying. To, I just can't wait to get this out on this week's podcast. Um, so with that in mind, uh, what is the best way for people to get a hold of you uh, who are interested in participating, uh, uh, being a part of this? Uh, what, how would you recommend they go about that? 
So if they're already on Facebook, which is my best case because um, a lot of our administration is done through a Facebook group. Um, if they're already on Facebook, then they can find me. Just look for Gordy Robinson. If you're on the NMRA page or the NMRA group, it shouldn't be too difficult to find me because I'm, a, I'm an admin of the NMRA's Facebook page. Mm-hmm. Um, if you can't do that for whatever reason, just message the NMRA Facebook page or Twitter or Instagram, and that message will find its way to me through the social media team. If you want to use the medium of email... I definitely don't recommend sending me a letter because um, that's not not really very good to send a letter to a little island in the middle of the North Atlantic. But <laughs> if you want to send an email, then email Christina Zambri, who is the marketing consultant of the NMRA at marketing at nmra.org. So it's marketing at nmra.org. She, um, she's supporting our, our project and our initiative. We and Me and her spoke for the last two years about how the format of this would probably work out mm. um and so she's very involved uh from this from the back uh in the background um so she'll be she'll be happy to pass that across to me oh excellent so, so there's many ways right uh, but yeah the, don't, turning up in orkney is not a good idea though not right now <laughs> <laughs> excellent <laughs> um so with that in mind uh just to say, uh, one of the amazing things about this, if if I recall correctly, is um, and, and because of the medium, uh, you don't have to be a member of the NMRA to have access of, to this. No, as I said, as I said earlier, this is uh, one of the main things for me and the team is that this is free at the point of use. So. Um, this means that it's on the it's it's streamed when it's streamed it's streamed to the public page of Facebook of the NMRA. You don't need to be a Facebook member. You don't need a Facebook account, and you don't need to have uh, be a member of the NMRA to watch that. Right. And now after this week, because my 12-hour excitement, 12 hours before this <laughs> week was, and this is the honest truth. Now I was um, holding a, I was taking part in a meeting with a region in America, and I'm not saying the name of that region because I want to say some, describe some of the work that we're working on without giving them away because I know not everybody in the region knows what's going on. Um, so I was talking with them on Friday night about. Well, it's about, actually, it was about two o'clock in the morning on Mm -hmm. Saturday for me. And after I dropped that meeting, I picked up a conversation with my Aussie team um, to to just check everything was all in hand for later in the day to start NMRAX. And we tested streaming to both Facebook and YouTube, and it blue screened the computer that was being used. Oh, wow. So that was like (laughs) three o'clock in the morning. And at 11 o'clock in the morning, we went live on Facebook and YouTube. Wow. And, and so uh, we now stream to both Facebook and YouTube live. So you don't need to need to go to Facebook anymore. You can go and sell your soul to Google and go and watch it on YouTube. <laughs> um, and the, we've also found a way to pick up the comments from both feeds. So okay. that was one of our big worries of going out on both platforms. And we fixed that using some software that the gaming world uses to stream okay. their gameplay. So yeah, so that's um, so yeah, it's absolutely free. It will continue to be free. Um, it will continue to be free for the for the whole time that it doesn't cost the NMRA money. And if people support us, um, it could if and it does end up costing us a little bit of money, then uh, it will still remain free as long as we have enough money from people supporting us. So yeah, oh, it'll be great. That's exciting. That is truly exciting. Well, Gordy. Thank you so much, especially for coming on such a spur of the moment. Uh, thank you for... Well, don't worry about it, but we're not stopping yet because we need to talk about July. Oh, please do. So, nice try. 
But um, <laughs> July, July is the biggest thing. I am so excited about this, and this is going to end up being like the whole of the podcast. But I apologize. Once I start, I can't stop. I get excited. No, that, so, that's that's fine. I just I I was sensitive to your time, and I I felt guilty for tearing you away from your family. <laughs> We've got about my my ham's due off the stove in about ten minutes, so we're good. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, so July. All right, so July. July, what a great month! So in July we lost we we we've lost Gateway in St Louis, the national convention and the national train show, which is disappointing. Um, I went out last year and did like a reconnaissance trip and everything to to plan out actually doing some live streams from places in St Louis. Um, so it's really disappointing. Uh, but but it is what it is. Um, however, we're going to replace it with an NMRX event. Oh, and so that's exciting. Um, Yep, so from 8 a.m. Eastern to 11 p.m. Eastern, for the seven days that would have been the National Crane Convention, that's Sunday through Saturday, we will have live content for 15 hours a day. Oh, now, wow. Some of that will be pre-recorded stuff that we've done from previous NMRAX events, I'm not going to lie. Mm-hmm. Um, however, most people haven't seen it all yet, and it's happened in the middle of the night for a lot of people. So uh, there'll still be some stuff that people haven't seen, because by then there'll be 72 hours of content on YouTube from NMREX. And if you've seen all that by then, I applaud you. But um, <laughs> but some people haven't, and also some people want to re-see things again. So that'll be a great opportunity, and we'll put out a schedule. But we're also in the evenings, east in the evenings US time, uh, early mornings for the Aussies. Right. We'll be providing middle of the night for the Brits, unfortunately, but there's the, you can always watch the recording, guys. Um, we'll be providing more live clinics and layout tours, but it'll be themed. So oh. we're going to look at doing a theme for each evening. Um, and so we'll be having like a scenery day, a, a, a rolling stock day, a structures day, a history day. We'll be looking at Wednesday definitely as being the layout design day. Okay. Um, I'm working at Opsig. I have asked Opsig a few weeks ago. They haven't come back to me yet, but they're going to get asked again tonight uh, to provide me with uh, at least a panel. Uh, I'm expecting to have a daily panel show with special guests. Excellent. It won't just be master model railroaders. Um, special guests from within the hobby, and we will uh, review stuff that goes on, stuff that's happened in the day. We'll ask, we'll give people the opportunity to ask them some questions. But also, what I'm wanting to do is in the NMRA Facebook group and. People that don't like Facebook, don't shoot me here, but it's difficult to do it in any other way. Right. Okay. On the NMRA Facebook group, we're going to have a celebration room. That's going to be our celebration room. So it's not going to be a contest. Right. Okay, because I don't really believe in the competitive nature of our hobby. I, I, just, I hate it. Um, I think people should try to improve their own skills and not try to get one up on the person down the road. So um, we, we will have a celebration day, though, and that panel will review the stuff that people have posted throughout the previous 24 hours. Okay. So you could get your stuff shown live on an MRX event. All you need to do is share it. And and so we'll do that every day. Um, and then on the sat on the Saturday, we're hoping to do uh, a banquet, and we'll we'll do probably a two-hour clinic on the Saturday, mm-hmm. which is the last day, um, where people can sit down and have a meal and watch on YouTube on their smart TVs. Um, this after hopefully an after-dinner speaker. Um, So I've got to do the recipes. You'll have your own recipe to do. Um, I have a big book of slow cooker recipes because I don't want anyone (laughs) to miss anyone to miss the event by having to be in the kitchen. Um, And uh, yeah, we'll we'll do that. Um, Just let me uh, 
send my missus a message there. Yeah, so we'll do that, and you'll uh, hopefully people will have a go at cooking it. Maybe we'll do a video of Gordy cooking these different things. Oh, that sounds exciting. Uh, but yeah, I think it was like, how can we do all the different bits of a convention? And right. So I was like, we've got to do the banquet. Right. Absolutely, you can't miss that. <laughs> so uh, yeah, I mean food, beer, exactly. So I'm gonna do that. I'm gonna do menus. We'll do beer pairings and all that kind of stuff if we can. And we'll make it as daft as we can. That's that's the general idea. Oh. Um, have a bit of fun with what we're doing. So that's July. Now what I'm working on for the end of July with a region that I can't I can't say who it is, uh, but just know it's a region of the NMRA in the US. Okay, that's enough, I think. Uh, they they, along with many others, have lost their regional convention, and they they asked me to come and talk to them about what I thought they could do. And they wanted to stream 10 hours of clinics in like a WebEx meeting to uh, people who were going to attend their convention. And so that was nice, and and we had a nice chat, and then and then. As I like to do, I dropped a few bombshells. So I said, well, why can't you have multiple clinic rooms? So multiple meetings and then just right. provide meetings to people so meet people can drop in and out. Now, those that are quick here are, are realizing that this is now, rather than just being a live stream, this is now taking on the shape of a virtual convention yeah. in its truest sense. So they're going to do at least five live meetings, oh, wow. which is 50 clinics, where wow. people that will be able to sign up and register for that, and this is going to be completely free. Okay, that's amazing. We'll be able to sign up and register for it. Obviously, there'll be a limit, because all of the meeting platforms have a restriction on how many people can be in a room. Um, they'll, But people will be able to go in and watch these different clinics based on the different clinic streams in lieu of their regional meeting. And um, that will be live streamed by NMRAX for 10 hours of it and we will have one of our people live stream from different meeting rooms. Oh, that's exciting. As the event goes on. And that's the absolute blueprint for the future. That's how this should work. If there's enough people want to volunteer and help do these things, that's how an NMRA convention could be brought out to the other people, to people that can't attend. Right exactly that take the live stream out but that's exactly how you can replace your your convention if you lose it in the future i think there's there's got to be a blueprint for this because um covid aside um people can lose conventions for various reasons that show sure. it's hard on people and this is and and people also can't leave their homes anyway right. uh, you know on a normal day so so this is a really good thing i'm really excited to be working with them um we will provide them with all the support they need. I can't say who it is and do the announcement and steal their funder, but I <laughs> can say that, that it's going to be epic. And, and, and that's going to happen at the end of July. Um, so that will be the two NMRAX events that you'll see in July. A whole week and um, an actual live-streamed regional convention. Um, with some of the NMRAX clinicians actually provide, be having the opportunity to provide some of that content live, uh, live to the regional convention from the pool of 80 people that we've got. Um, but they'll be asked to tailor. We're going to ask them to tailor the uh, content to be appropriate to the region where it's taking place. So um, if that was, let's say it was New England, mm. we would be looking for content on New England railroads. And that's, because that's the great bread and butter of a regional convention. You go there and people will talk about what's, what went on and what happens in their local community. Right. And it will be tailored a little bit with a flavor of that um, 
a flavour of that that region, and so we're not wanting to lose that, and that's what will happen here. So uh, it was, it's just going to be fantastic. I mean, there's no limit to this. No. It's, it's <laughs> I'm beaming. This is really exciting, man. This is really exciting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's great for me because <laughs> I mean, like, I live on an island. It's a three and a half square mile island. There's 400 or just about 400 residents on the island. Um, there are a few model railroaders. They are everywhere. Right. There'll be yeah. a model railroad in your in your town. I guarantee it, no matter where you live. Yeah. Uh, but the yeah, ultimately my opportunities to go to train shows is zero. Um, right. <laughs> and stuff. And uh, if I don't fly across the pond, so it, so to speak, or even across to the mainland, right. um, my opportunities to event, uh, to attend conventions are not. So a little bit of selfishness. Um, this is really good for me. Um, but I and I get to I forced to watch it. I can't get distracted because I have to sit here and <laughs> right. And, capture questions and ask people questions um but uh, it's great for me but people are not doing it for me people are doing it for for everyone and, and that's what's really nice to see especially everything everything that's a bit crappy that's going on in the world right now yeah uh, it's great to see this level of cooperation and, and doing something for your for your fellow model railroader and and I hope long may it continue yeah absolutely absolutely i'm just i'm just so fascinated i just i'm so Thank you so much for taking some time out of your day uh, to come on with us. That that really really means a lot, and I'm just really excited about everything you had to say. Oh, absolutely! No, I've got time for anyone. It's not a problem. <laughs> I'll find the time. Excellent, excellent, very good. And of course, what we open the show with, we close the show with the model railcast theme. Until next time, guys. You've been listening to the Model Railcast Show. You can find us at www.modelrailcastshow.com or on Facebook at Friends of MRCS and look for us on iTunes. Don't miss your other great model railroading podcasts out there The Scotty Mason Show, Model Rail Radio, A Modeler's Life, and the Model Railroad Hobbyist Podcast. And drop us a line if we miss mentioning you. This is Amy Perkins for the Model Railcast Show. Have a great week. Make sure it's working. We're real organized here, Jonathan, okay? <laughs> um, I, I know how you feel. <laughs> uh, Craig, Jonathan's actually uh, on my on the wife's side of the family, so that's that's how oh. I know him. Uh, yeah. Oh, so. how, lucky for him. Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that's going on the outtakes. Uh, <laughs> my brain just just shut off just now the uh <laughs> don't worry it happens <laughs> yeah, that's what editing is for it's okay <laughs>